What a blessing to know that our our God never changes. <clears throat> Provides security. You know, just like a home where there's consistency. Provides security for the children. Our God is consistent. He does not change. And we can have great security in that. Isaiah chapter 11 tonight. Isaiah chapter 11. Of course, this is a prophecy concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. But I'm going to be looking tonight at the Spirit of the Lord. And as he's described here in these verses, I'm going to read verses uh, 1 through 4. It says, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor, and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. Of course, this is again a prophecy concerning Christ and his coming and his kingdom. But I want to look at verse 2 in particular tonight. <clears throat> I'm talking about the Spirit of the Lord, or you might say the completeness of the Spirit. Verse 2 says again, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Somebody has called this the sevenfold Spirit of the Lord, or the completeness of the Holy Spirit. Or you might say it this way, it's the completeness of of the Godhead. Uh, we understand from the scriptures that uh, God is three persons. He's one in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You know, 1 John 5 and verse 7 says, And there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Spirit, and these three are one. Uh, <clears throat> so the Father, the Word, referring to Christ, of course, and the Spirit, and he says, and these three are one. In Genesis 1, 1 says, the Bible says, in the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was out form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, but the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So in the beginning, God, and then it says, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. You get to verse 26, and then it says, let us, and let us. God said, let us make man in our image. So the word God in verse 1 is a plural form of the word Elohim. It's referring to God in manifesting himself in three persons. Even in the, in, the, in the very first verses of Genesis, God is telling us that he is a, he is a triune God. Uh, you know, and again, it's very clear, then you get to verse 26, where he says, let us make man in our image. And, you know, if you go over to 1 John, or not 1 John, John 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made 
by him. So who's that word they're referring to? Well, verse 14 tells us the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Verse 18 tells us that no man has seen God, but the, that, that Christ, he hath declared him. Who, or Jesus is the revelation of God to us. He revealed God to us. So what we see here is the completeness of the Godhead and what we see here in verse 2, I believe of Isaiah 11, gives us a, a glimpse, if you will, at the completeness or the fullness of the Spirit of God. So, so many times, you know, we as independent Baptists uh, don't emphasize the Spirit of God a lot because we're not supposed to. Although he is spoken of a lot about it because, you know, of course, there is, there is great overemphasis in some places about the Spirit of God, you know, with the charismatic movement and all that. But, but he is a real person, and he is part of the Godhead, and his function in our lives as Christians is vital. We are born again by the Spirit of God, uh, by the Word of God. So... So let's look at this a little bit as we consider there's seven things mentioned here. The spirit of the Lord, spirit of wisdom, spirit of understanding, spirit of counsel, might, spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. So that's what I want to look at tonight. First of all, the spirit of the Lord. Again, the word Lord here is Jehovah. So he's referring to that, that the spirit of God is Lord. He is Jehovah. He is part of the Godhead. He was equal with God the Father and God the Son. Uh, he is the self-existent one. In the, he was in the beginning. This is who he is. Uh, he, and he will never contradict himself because he's God. Well, what does that mean? Well, he never can, he'll never contradict the Godhead. So that means he'll never do anything contrary to the will of the Father, and he'll never do anything contrary to the Son, what the Son has spoken. Because these three agree in one. They'll never contradict each other. Uh, so he is the Spirit of the Lord. He's the Spirit of the Lord. Now, and then the rest of the passage really talks about the characteristics, or that you might say the attributes, the Spirit of wisdom. And I want to look at each of these tonight and, and sort of how they relate to us as God's children. Because if you know, we need to understand that you know, yielding to the Spirit of God is yielding to God. It's allowing God to direct your life. The one who has all wisdom and all knowledge and all understanding and, you know, and, and all power. And what else would you want for somebody to lead you? I mean, if I want somebody to lead me, I want somebody that's wise. I want somebody that has, has some understanding. I want somebody that can give me good counsel. Well, that's what the Spirit of God is, as we'll see. He's the Spirit of wisdom. That word wisdom here means skill. And it really has the, has the idea of ability of administration or to order. Uh, the word is used, uh, for example, in uh, Exodus chapter 35, 30 and 31, where it says, And Moses said to the children of Israel, See, the Lord hath called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, he hath filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding and knowledge and all manner of workmanship, and to devise curious works, to work in gold and in silver and brass, and in cutting of stones, to set them, and in carving of wood, to make, make any manner of cunning work. 
And he hath put in his heart that he may teach both he and Aholiab, the son of Ahismach, of the tribe of Dan. So God said, that he, God hath put in this, in the heart of Bezalel, wisdom, he had skill in craftsmanship, him and Aholiab. Uh, in chapter 36, again in verse 2, it says, And Moses called Bezalel and Holiab, and every, and every wise-hearted man in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom, that's, you might say skill, even everyone whose heart stirred him up to come unto the work to do it. So, so God had given them, this is what wisdom is. And of course, this wisdom, you know, this is, this is of the Spirit of God. Uh, Deuteronomy 34, 9, it says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. Now, what was, what was Joshua's job description going to be? He's going to have to lead the children of Israel. He's going to have to organize and order them to the battle. He's got to have some skill. He's got to have some wisdom to know how to do that. And it says that... that uh, uh, the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands upon him, and the children of Israel hearkened unto him, and did as the Lord commanded Moses. So, so you know, and Joshua was a very wise warrior. Uh, he, he knew how to order a battle. He knew how to be successful in a battle. And, and it, what he really knew was how to listen to God. Because he knew God would give the wisdom he needed. Uh, See, God can give wisdom to order, to direct your life, how to prioritize in your life. Uh, you know, even, even uh, Solomon, of course, God gave Solomon wisdom, and Hiram, uh, who he had great skill in, in working in brass and all kinds of works. And, and, and you know, God, God, man, God can give us wisdom and skill, uh, again, how to direct our life, how to prioritize our life, you know, we were, it was in the pastoral theology class on Tuesday night talking about, talking about priorities for the ministry, for a pastor. You know, your pri- number one priority is God. And these are true for everyone, really. Number one priority is God. Your number two priority is, if you're married, is your spouse. Your number three priority is your children. And your number four priority is the ministry. Now, these don't have to work against each other. In fact, if you have a proper balance and learn what proper balance in ministry is, they will not work against each other. Uh, but, but those need to be, you know, if, when those get out of priority, there's usually problems, ends up being problems. Uh, you know, for, 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 for everybody, you know, that's the same for everyone. You know, your ministry, you know, pastor's ministry is his work. And, and that would be your work if you're not in the ministry, you know. Uh, so, so God can give skill and wisdom, and, he, and the Spirit of God can give us wisdom for everyday life, skill how to organize and administrate our life. second thing he says here, the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding. Uh, the Spirit of understanding speaks of the ability to discern based on Comprehension, or is the the power to grasp ideas? And it really comes from listening. Uh, in First Chronicles twelve thirty two, the Bible says there, and the children of Isaac, Isaacer, 
which were men that had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. So they were, they were men with understanding of the times to know what men ought to do, what they ought to do, Israel ought to do. So these, these were men that listened and learned and understood what was going on around them and therefore, because of they could grasp that they, they could grasp these ideas, knew what they should do, knew what what direction they should go. In Job twenty verse three, Job says, "I have heard the check of my reproach, and the spirit of my understanding causeth me to answer." Now, the word "check" there, he said, "I heard I've heard the check of my reproach." Now, it's not a check where he wrote you out an amount of money. The word check there means a correction which leadeth to shame. So you might say it this way. I have heard the, your correction that shames me. You know, he's talking to those so-called three friends. Well, what those three friends were saying, and, and then he said this, my understanding, the things that I have learned and heard and have grasped, causes me to answer this way. Of course, what those three friends accused Job was, of he was a hypocrite. That's why he was suffering. See, God was judging Job because, because he had done something wrong that they didn't know about and nobody else knew about, but, but he had, there were some wicked sins in his life, and he was just a hypocrite. Because, after all, God doesn't judge people if they haven't done anything wrong. And what they didn't understand was, it wasn't God that did all these things to Job. Now, God did allow him to be tested. But God didn't destroy his wealth, and God didn't destroy his family, and God didn't take away his health. Satan did. Satan did. And, and, but it was, a, it was something to try Job, and it also proved that man can, under difficult stamp circumstances still retain his integrity and still bless God even in the worst of circumstances. See, Job understood their counsel and he, but he understood uh, the situation. You know, the Spirit of God you know, in Romans 8, 26 talks about likewise the Spirit also uh, helpeth our infirmities you know, we, we don't know how to pray as we ought. The word likewise really is, is a connection word that, that uh, uh, takes us back to the preceding verses. I, I think it's really back to verse 14 where it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Um, so the Spirit of God, not only does He lead us, He helps us. He gives us understanding into things. And, and helps us with, 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 with things that we struggle with to understand. So he helps us. He not only leads us, he helps us. And he understands us. You know, the Bible says in verse 27 there, And he that searcheth the hearts know, knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us. So, and then the he there is referring to the Lord himself. He understands the mind of the Spirit of God, because they are one. And so, you know, this is, a, this is a spirit of understanding. He knows us. 
When you don't know how to pray, you don't know how to pray. You're just overwhelmed. The Spirit of God understands you. He understands you. He knows you. He understands what you're burdened with. And He can take your burden before the Lord who intercedes on our behalf for the Father. Because He is the Spirit of understanding. See, he can he he has the ability to the power to grasp the feelings of our infirmities. And so he is a spirit of understanding. Uh you know, isn't it isn't it isn't it nice to have somebody that you know understands you? That you can you can take and share your burdens with because they understand you? They understand where you're coming from? Well, that's what the Spirit of God is. So He's the Spirit of the Lord. He's the Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of understanding. Fourthly, He is the Spirit of counsel. It says in the Spirit of counsel and might, verse 2 again. Uh, the word counsel uh, is an interesting word. And of course, this is, this is the... Uh, uh, This is the ability to, you know, when we seek counsel to make right choices, logical choices. And, and, and the Bible, you know, in the Bible we have a multitude of counselors. And God gave, of course, Solomon wisdom and understanding to make wise choices. And he wrote a lot of these verses, penned a lot of these verses. But Proverbs fifteen twenty two, the Bible says, Without counsel, purposes are disappointed. But in the multitude of counselors... They are established. Now that word counsel there in Proverbs 15.22, without counsel, in other words, it means familiar converse with God. In other words, you're having a familiar conversation with God. And he says, without this familiar conversation with God, purposes are disappointed. So if you think about that, and the Spirit of God is the Spirit of counsel, as we as we walk in, in agreement with the Holy Spirit, He will counsel us in the right direction so that our purposes are not disappointed. He'll lead us in the way that pleases the Lord. Pleases the Lord. Uh, Proverbs 33, or Psalm 33, 11 says, The counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of His heart to all generations and so so you know uh, you know the spirit of god can gives us counsel into a right way or to to lead us to come to right choices or logical conclusions you know john 16 13 jesus spoke of the spirit of god there says he will guide you into all truth he'll guide you into all truth psalm 23 3 he leadeth me in paths of what? Righteousness, for his name's sake. You know, what better counselor could you get than the Spirit of God? His ways are always right, for he is the Lord. Fifthly, he is the Spirit of of might, the spirit of might, verse 2 again says, in the spirit of counsel and might, 
The word might speaks of power or ability to carry out things. You know, excuse me, in Zechariah chapter 4, in in, uh, verse 6, Zechariah 4 and verse 6, the Bible says this, Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Who art thou, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? Thou shalt become a plain, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof, with shoutings, kind, grace, grace, unto it. So, it's not by might, it's not by my strength, not by my physical strength, it's not by power, it's not by man's uh, um, you know, authority or anything, that's, that's what those mean, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. And uh, you know, Zerubbabel talks. Zerubbabel was the high priest in those days, and he was he had great many obstacles. He had you know, when we call him, you know, he says before a great mountain. He talks about a mountain there. It's really referring to an obstacle. You know, mountain speaks of an obstacle in the Bible that had to be overcome. It seemed like an impossible situation, but he says not by your might, and it's not by your collective power or authority. It's by my spirit. Saith the Lord. In Judges chapter 14. Judges chapter 14. When the uh, uh, life of Samson. You would like to talk about Samson's great strength. But where to get it? Well. Judges 14, 19 says, And the Spirit of the Lord came, came upon him, and went down to Ashkelon, and slew thirty men of them, and took their spoil, and gave change of garments unto them, which expanded the riddle. And his anger was kindled, and he went up to his father's house. Chapter 15, against verse 14, When he came unto Leah, the Philistines shouted against him, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the cords that were upon his arms became as flax that was burnt with fire, and his bands loosed from off his hands, and he found the new jawbone of an ass to put forth his hands and took it and slew a thousand men therewith. You see, it wasn't that Samson had such great physical power. It says the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. It's not by might, nor by power, but my spirit, saith the Lord. You know, if you look, go through the book of Acts, uh, it was by the power of the Spirit of God, spirit of God uh, that the apostles who just 50 days prior were all scared to death and hiding behind closed doors, locked doors, who now are standing in the streets and preaching. And Peter, who before, just you know, some days before, denied the Lord, stands up and before those who executed the Lord... In verse Acts 2.33 says, Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this, forth this which ye now see and hear. You know, he, Peter, Peter might, have, might have been able to say, Look, I'm the poster child for the power of the Spirit of God. Because when I was standing at the gate, and Jesus was being tried by Pilate, and that little maid said, Hey, you're one of them. 
And he said, I am not. And he did it three times. But here he's standing before those people who were chanting, crucify him, crucify him, and said, you have slain the just one. What's the change? Why all of a sudden he's not afraid? See, it's the spirit of might. Chapter 4 and verse 1. You know, he's, they've already been told not to preach. And it says in verse 1, And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, bring greed that he taught the people, and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead, laid hands on them, and put them in the hold on the next day, for it was now even tide. Drop down to verse, seven, uh, verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, saith unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand before you whole. And this is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby they must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, perceived they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and acknowledged them that they had been with Jesus. And, you know, and of course this goes on, verse 31 says, When they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. With boldness. You see, the Spirit of God is the Spirit of might. He has the ability to carry out that which He directs in your life. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says, Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. So if the Lord asks, or the Spirit of God directs you to do something that's pleasing to the Lord, He'll also give you the power, the ability to do it. That's His obligation. That's what He's obligated Himself to do. And He will do it. So he is the spirit of might. Number six, he's the spirit of knowledge. The spirit of knowledge. So the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, and of the fear of the Lord. The spirit of knowledge has the idea, to, the ability to know the very essence and will of God. After all, he is God. So... You know, the word essence means quality or nature. So it's the Spirit of God that gives us the ability to understand who God is. We, we know this from the Scriptures, other Scriptures. You know, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and uh, verse 12. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 12. The Bible says, uh, well, verse 14, I'm sorry, verse 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. So the natural man can't understand the things of God, but because they're spiritually discerned or investigated out or revealed to us by the Spirit of God. And we know John 16, 12-14 says he would lead us, the Spirit of truth, he would lead us into all truth. He would glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. He would reveal the Father to us. 
Second uh, Peter one twenty one says that holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So they were given knowledge to know the will of God. You see, this word, this word is the will of God revealed to us. It is the essence of God, the character of God revealed to us. And it's through the Spirit of God that He reveals it or makes it understandable to us. And you see, it's through the Spirit of God that gives you the ability to discern what the will of God is for your life. It is He that guides us and leads us. And He does. He guides and He leads. That means He goes before. Your leader goes before. He leads the way. You know, Jesus said in John 10, 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. You know, like I've said many times, you don't, you don't chase sheep. If you try it, good luck, and I'm not helping you, because I know what's going to happen. You lead sheep. You call them. You know, because they will just bolt and run and just scatter every which direction and, you know, you have a mess on your hands. And that's what the, that's what the Lord does. With he leads us. He leadeth me. He leads us into green pastures. Uh, he leads us into righteousness. And it's the Spirit of God that gives us the ability to know the will of God uh, day by day. You know, He isn't going to reveal to us what the will of God is for five years down the road. But He will reveal to us what His will is for today. For the time of the present. And so, uh, we just need to follow Him. Because He knows the will of the Father. And then I want you to notice number seven, the spirit of fear. So the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of the wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Now, these things were all in part of the makeup, you might say, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he never sinned. Do you ever think about maybe God has made it possible? possible that we sin not. What's First John 2 say? First um, John 2, verse 1. I don't want to misquote it. My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, he is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The, the sad thing is, the reality is, we know, we know we sin. We're sinners by nature. We, we, we choose to do wrong. Uh, but God has, has made it possible, if we were, if we were uh, 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 like the Lord Jesus, of course, none of, we're all born in sin, so, you know, but here was the, this personal, the Lord Jesus was, was, you know, full of the Spirit of God, the whole, the, the fullness of the Spirit of God dwelt in him, and he sinned not. But we, as we think about fear, the spirit of fear, 
the idea is to ability to always refrain from displeasing the Lord. You see, God, the Spirit of God can guide us into what to fear and what not to fear. You know, there are some things you ought to fear. And there are some things you shouldn't fear. Job 28, 28, 28 says this, And unto man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. Fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. If you've listened to God, you'd know to stay away from evil. Depart from it. But fear God. Respect Him. Psalm 118, verse 6. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do unto me. The Lord is on my side. You know, if we have the Lord on our side, we, might, we, we better to say it this way, if we are on the Lord's side, because again, God doesn't change. So if we're on the Lord's side, we really don't need to fear what man can do. If we understand who God is, God is a sovereign God. God has the power to protect us. And unless he allows man to do something, man isn't going to do, can't do anything. You know, there's been many times I've read accounts in the Bible and I've wondered how they got away with what they did. For example, how did Moses get away with going into Pharaoh time after time after time after time and saying, I'm going to pray and there's going to be a plague. It's going to destroy the land of Egypt. How did he get away with that? Why didn't, Moses, why didn't Pharaoh just kill him and have it all done with? Do you know what the Lord said to Moses? I have made thee a god to Pharaoh. See, God, Pharaoh had enough sense to to realize there's something real about this man, Moses. And I need to be careful what I do to him. Now, it came to a point when he said, you know, God's going to go through and slay all your firstborn. Then Pharaoh said, I don't want to see your face again, or I am going to kill you. And he said, Thou hast spoken right. You will see my face no more. See how, you know, you know, sometimes you think, how did Moses get away with it? How did Gideon, with lamps and pitchers, which basically was a torch, and you break the, pit, break the pitcher so the lamp shines, and 300 men defeat all those Midianites were like the sand of the sea. Or how did Abraham, with 128 armed servants in his own house, defeat five kings? Or how did the Lord Jesus, when they led him to the hill outside of Nazareth to throw him down headlong, all of a sudden he turns around and walks right through the midst of them and passed by? 
So why should we fear man? If we are in the hand of God, why should we fear what man can do unto me? And the Bible says in John 10 that we're in the Father's hand, and I and my Father are one. Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Isaiah 2.22 Cease ye from man whose breath is in his nostrils for wherein is he to be accounted of? Why are you worried about him? That's what God's saying. He's saying that to Isaiah. Why are you worried about man? You know, Isaiah and Jeremiah many times. You know, again, how did Jeremiah stay alive throughout all his years of ministry and he can't kept preaching that Babylon's going to you know, surrender. He was telling them, surrender to the, to the king of Babylon and you may live. But if you, if you refuse, you're going to die. You're going to be put to the sword. You're going to be, you know, famine or some way, you're going to die. He told the king, surrender and it, he'll give your life. But if you do not surrender, you will perish and your house. And there were people that accused him of treason. He got put in the dungeon. But he got taken out. He got taken out. You see, Jeremiah was told not to fear. Not to fear those. He said, God said to him, I've made you a brazen wall. You know, Luke 12, 4 and 5 says this, And I say unto you, my friends, Are you a friend of God? Do you know him as your Lord and Savior? I say unto you, my friends, Be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed the body, Killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. So don't fear man. The, the, the most he can do is take your earthly life. Do you do need to fear God? Because if God judges you, you may end up in hell. So he says, the spirit of fear. See, the he will guide us into what to fear and what not to fear. And it was the Spirit of God that gave Peter and John and the apostles wisdom and understanding and counsel and might and knowledge and whom to fear and who not to fear. They were no longer afraid of the Sanhedrin. They were no longer afraid of the Roman emperor. They weren't afraid of Pilate or anyone. They just continued to preach the gospel. See, the conclusion of all this is the Holy Spirit is the Lord. He's all-knowing. He's all-wisdom. He has all-power. He's everywhere present. He is God. When we consider the person and work of the Spirit of God, it ought to compel us to submit to Him. To be led by Him. To allow Him to control and direct our lives. 
That's really what it means to abide in Christ. Because really, the reality is then we have the Godhead, the fullness of God, directing our life and controlling our life. You know, sometimes we look at that word control and we say, oh, I don't like somebody controlled. But it also has the idea of he's also directing you to places for your protection and keeping you from places where you could get into danger. You know, I like what Psalm 90, I think it's Psalm 91, where it says something to the effect that, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. You know, when you stub your toe, don't you usually do it to yourself? You know, you, you may be walking and there's something sticking up and you, and you kick it there and stub your toe and, you know, and, and hurt yourself or whatever. You do it to yourself. See, if the Spirit of God is directing your life, he'll even keep you from dashing your foot against a stone. Because he will direct your steps. Protect you from things that you would do to yourself that would be harmful to yourself. That's why Ephesians 5.18 says, be, drunk, be not drunk with wine when it's excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Allow the Spirit of God to lead and direct and control your life. James 4 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. See, we ought to desire, knowing who the Spirit of God is, we ought to desire for him to lead and direct, to control our lives. Because it will surely be for our good.